Welcome back to Navigating the Work Compass. I'm Kate Luzio, founder and CEO of Luminary, along with my co-host, Susan Chapman-Hughes. Hello. And we are delighted to have a mutual friend on the show today, Susan McPherson, who is not only the founder and CEO of McPherson Strategies, she is also the author of The Lost Art of Connecting, and I will selfishly say she's also a proud Luminary member. Uh, and we have been talking throughout the past many, many episodes around how important relationships are, not just that peer-to-peer, -peer, not just mentorship and sponsorship, but the relationship as well between the employer and the employee. And as we look at, in particular, women in the workforce, so many have been left out. We see one in three still not coming back. You've got a state of the world that is in influx. And so Susan McPherson, we have Susan Squared today. Uh, we thought we'd bring you on to really talk about why writing this book was so important. It was actually not really to do with the pandemic. It was just great timing. Yeah. But why connection is so important to, in particular, women and their career development. So I'm going to turn it over to you to do a little intro. And then for those of you that have, have been guests of the show, have listened to this before, whether it's on LinkedIn Live or through our podcast, you know, Susan Chapman Hughes and I love to ping pong back and forth. So um, <coughs> McPherson, we'll turn it over to you. Oh my God, too many Susans. Well, actually, the world can't have enough Susans. But uh, first and foremost, Kate, thank you for inviting me and thank you for all you do in the world. And Susan, same to you. You are both beacons of light um, at a time where it's certainly been challenging for, for, for women in general, but for, for all of us. Um, as mentioned, I'm Susan McPherson. I wrote The Law Started Connecting during the pandemic, and then it was published in April of 2021, so about a year ago. Um, but the, uh, the whole point of the book was put forth almost five years ago, so long before the pandemic. And when people see the title, they assume I was writing it in response to the pandemic, because we know people have been inexorbitantly lonely. Um, but a loneliness epidemic existed long before the pandemic. And there were several reasons for me wanting to write the book. Number one, every single thing that has been good in my life, personally and professionally, has happened thanks to connections. Two, I founded my company at the age of 48. I'm now 57. 90% of our business over the last nine years has been inbound. What that made me realize was all the connections and relationships that I built in my 20s, in my 30s, and a good part of my 40s actually came back to help, assist, recommend. And dare I say, I wouldn't have been a successful entrepreneur or business owner if I hadn't made time for that. So that notion of don't take the meeting, no time to take the meeting, I fervently disagree. And I also think, and I quote Adam Grant from his first book, Give and Take, where he says, taking more meetings actually makes you more efficient. Okay. So something to, something to unpack there. But lastly, in the workplace, large and small companies, when you have quote unquote friends, you know, not besties, but friends, people you enjoy working with, people that you have a sense of, of a relationship with, you are much more likely to be happy at work, productive at work, stay at the mm -hmm. job and recruit others to work there. So if you're a manager or you run a company, please, please, please don't save 
connection building to the annual meeting or to the happy hour beacons of light. You want to be infusing that in every meeting. And one more thing, and then I'll stop. If you have a position of power um, at a time where it's certainly been challenged, do everything you can to make people feel welcome, safe, and secure. Because not everyone is going to feel like they can bring their full selves and fully connect unless they feel safe. And guess whose responsibility that is? The people who have power. Yeah. Hey, Susan, can we go back for a little bit? Because you said that um, if it weren't for the people who you connected with when you were in your 20s and 30s, you wouldn't have the the opportunity to build the business and the relationships that you needed to do what you're doing now. But I'm curious because, you know, if I think back to like the best advice I got from my mother, she actually told me in my, when I was like 19, maybe 18, she was like, the relationship that the relationships that you build will be the most important thing that you can ever do in your life. I don't know how she knew that. I don't know like what that was from, but I'm just curious, like, did somebody tell you that? Was it like (laughs) something obvious to you? Because we talk to so many young people and they're like relationship building, especially in the age today of social media and quote friends that people they don't know. So I'm curious if you could go back and just talk a little bit about like, how did you even know that was important? Who told you that? And how did it manifest itself throughout your life? I'm so glad you asked because obviously my mom and your mom not only thought alike, but they named us Susan. (laughs) So who knows, right? Um, No, I still remember at age 16, my mom saying to me, it's not what you know, it's who you know. And she did public relations for various PBS stations and then eventually PBS itself. And I watched her work her magic, making, building relationships, um, reaching out to reporters, not when she had a story to pitch, but more just to find out and learn more about them so that when it did come time to pitch, she already had an understanding of what their hopes and dreams were. And my late father was a professor at a woman's college for just shy of 40 years. And he would have students and he would have their daughters and then he would have their granddaughters. And his entire life, he would stay in touch with all of them. It was ridiculous. Um, So they embedded in me this notion that relationships are everything, even, you know, much more important than money, much more important than things. Um, And they also embedded embedded in me something that I really now so value. And that is every single person, no matter who they are, no matter what role they have in society, no matter what position they have at the company, is of value and of interest and is a potential connection to something else, something new you will learn. So to not look at someone and and have preconceived notions and think that person can't be helpful to me. Yeah. So, you know, it's interesting when you say that, it reflects back again on a lot of mentoring conversations I've had with young women in particular who, when I say to them, hey, you should reach out to so-and-so and it's about, I, I don't have anything I can talk to them about. I'm not in their <laughs> class. I don't, I'm not working on any projects that, you know, are their projects or that, you know, they have a vested interest in. I don't, I don't know. And so, you know, can you just talk a little bit more about the how, right? So, because so many people are just like, oh yeah, okay, so I hear you, Susan. I think I should build relationships. You're probably right. I shouldn't devalue anybody, but I'm still afraid. I don't know how to do that. 
can you give yeah. some advice on just sure. how to get started? Sure. And we, I want to add one thing to that, Susan, because I think you, Susan McPherson, I think you can also piggyback. This is is capacity, right? Every company that we work with at Luminary, every individual member, you know, regardless of what you do, where you're at, what level mm-hmm. is capacity, right? I don't have time. Mm-hmm. Right. I don't have time. And and by the way, the biggest ask is like, I need mentorship and I need new opportunities. But if you're not investing in those relationship building and that networking, right, then not not a lot of that will come. So this idea of I having to create time like your mom did, like your dad did, like you've done um, just as as you answer Susan's original, just thinking about that capacity challenge, I think is a big one. Sure. Well, first, um, with regards to Susan's question, um, you know, we can't force younger professionals to understand the value. You have to demonstrate, right? And that's why I often tell the story of how I was able to build my business based on relationships. But the other thing is, is I often suggest young people, mid-age people, people approaching retirement to do a self-assessment of what your superpowers are, what your strengths are, so that you are not in this kind of position where the other person's here and you're here, right? Because we all have strengths that we can bring to the table and those strengths and superpowers ebb and flow. But I do think if we ground young people in realizing that they have they have superpowers so that when they are reaching out to people at their company or at another organization, they're walking into those meetings with how can I be helpful? What can I bring to the table as opposed to only thinking about what am I going to gain from this person? it's not easy, but it's almost like an exercise first. Mm-hmm. And I often say, if you can't think of what your superpowers are, ask the people closest to you. Mm-hmm. Ask your friends, ask your colleagues, ask your mom, ask your dog, but ask someone to give it back to you. Um, and in terms of time, I mean, it's always, it, it, you're either gonna have to make time for this or not, right? Um, people often say to me, you know, how do you find time? I said, well, I, have, I find time to brush my teeth every day. So I think what we need to do is make it a process, right? Set a goal, but be mindful of what is your goal. You know, I, I want to reach five people, new people over the next month because I want this to happen, okay? And then you set aside time for that, just like you set aside time for anything else, for going to yoga, for getting your hair done, for getting your nails done, for, you know, going for a walk, um, you know, and and... I just think if you make it a habit, then it becomes a habit. If 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 I no. dare dare to say, you have a habit, Susan, which I love your habit because one of the things, and it brings you back to what you said about it's not just about you. It's got to be it's a relationship is a two way street. It's like a marriage. It's like a partnership. It's like a mentor mentee. It's a two way street. It's reciprocal. Right. One of the things in, in your, I, your habit is really asking people how you can help them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You talk about this and I've heard you talk about this. Can you put yourself in the position of that younger person, yeah. right? That doesn't feel like, I don't know how to help you, Susan. I'm, I'm <laughs> 10 years old. How would I help you? Where did One, where did that come from? That's idea of yeah. you know saying, how can I help you? Um, and then again, advice around if you don't feel like you've got, you know, you don't know how to help someone, but you want to um, create and facilitate that relationship. Yeah, first. 
Well, um, I years ago was a trained salesperson. And when you learn in sales, it's not about what the what you are trying to push on someone else. You learn to find out what someone else's hopes and dreams are and their goals are, and then you solve that. So that's one. Two, being always the tiniest person in the room. If I wanted to have a con my license says I'm five foot, so we'll just leave it at that. But if I was to have a conversation with somebody who was six foot tall, to get them to not look over me and look at everyone else in the room. Oftentimes, I would make the conversation about them and start asking them questions. Mm. And I learned early on when you ask people what their hopes and dreams are, oftentimes they will tell you, right? Because it is such a, it's, it, we all have hopes and dreams. Now, for the young, you know, for the, the person who may not feel like that, they have things to offer. We have a gift today that we didn't 30 years ago at the beginning of my career, and that is you can find out a lot about a person before you have a conversation with them, okay? In the 80s, I worked for USA Today, and I would have to um, reach out to people and interview them for stories, right? I had the Encyclopedia Britannica and the Yellow Pages, okay? Today, you have everything. You have LinkedIn. You can find out their career trajectory. You can find out what they're upset about on Twitter. You can find out if they have grandchildren on Instagram or if they went on, you know, on vacation. So do two, three minutes of research. Find out what that person is working on. And two, go back to that self-assessment. You know, I do not understand TikTok. If somebody who is 22 said to me, Susan, I could help you with TikTok, I'd be like, Let's go. <laughs> right, right. That's so funny because that's a great uh, example. Yes, I had a mentor for years uh, who was this brilliant psychiatrist. His name was Dr. Price Cobbs. He wrote many books and coached many people. And um, he died. He was nine, 89 years old, just shy of his 90th birthday. And um, the one thing I always remembered about him is he told me that he actively sought out relationships with young people because it kept him relevant and it kept him in the game. And so I think that's really phenomenal. But I, I if I could pivot just a little bit, yeah. um, because, because, so I read this book years and years ago, I think many black women, whoever used to read Essence or whatever, used to follow this woman, Yonla Van Zant, And she had this book called In the Meantime. And she talked about, I think maybe Maya Angelou may have had the first quote, but she said, uh, you people come into your life for a reason, a season or a lifetime. It's up to you to figure out which one that is. And what's fascinating to me about this is if I look back at my life, you know, there are relationships that have come and go. There were some that were fleeting and there's some that have been like for a lifetime. And so I wonder, um, you know, as I talk to some people about particularly when relationships uh, or when you lose connection with people, um, how do you know, right? If, if something is a, I know this might be a hard question, but how do you know if something somebody's there for a reason, a season, or a lifetime? And I guess more importantly, how do you read clues from people about what their willingness to engage with you around relationships are? Because I think some people struggle with that, particularly when they are trying to build relationships with people or they built a relationship with somebody and then all of a sudden it's not there anymore. But how do you read those clues um, as a way to connecting? I wish I knew exactly how, you know, I wear my heart on my sleeve and believe me over the years, you know, I've had relationships that have gone poof and with no idea. Right. And you're left kind of like, um, but one thing I have learned is to be direct and 
as scary as that may be, and maybe it's, you know, because I'm 57, I'm kind of like, well, what the hell, why not? But I find if you, if you are direct with people, you're giving them the opportunity to respond, right? Um, and if they don't, we know, you know to move on. But if, you're, if you don't, you'll never know. And I would much rather know. Um, and, you know, I should do more of this in my dating life because clearly I'm not good at this, but <laughs> I digress. Yeah, more about them so that when it did come, ooh, I'm hearing an echo, but, yeah. um, but I do, um, I, I, I really think the best advice I have been given in recent years in, in regards to this is be direct. If you want to get to know someone, let them know that. There's nothing wrong with saying, Kate, I really admire you. I'd love to have the opportunity to get to know you better and find out how I can be of better support for the work you're doing. Right? And then Kate can make a decision. Yes. yes. I love that. Thank you for that. I think the other thing is, you know, and, and I don't think this is particular to the younger generation, I think. Um, but I do think from the, a gender standpoint, women often are that hypercritical. If I ask, if I reach out, they don't have enough time. And is it going to be a valuable conversation? We really overthink oh. to even insert ourselves into that conversation. And one of the things, Susan, I think that you talk about in the book and many of the leaders in your book talk about is just is really finding that common ground. Right. And you've done that when you were a salesperson. I've done that my whole career as a salesperson is finding that common ground in a relationship. Can you talk a little bit just to, just as we're getting back into whatever the real world looks like? Um, some of the things that I'm hearing, particularly from our community, is like, I don't even remember how to network. I don't even remember how to do that small talk where I'm introducing myself. Yeah. Any tips you can share? Because what we love to do with our audience, it's all about, you know, calls to action and relevant advice. Sure, sure. Well, um, you know, in my book, I have a methodology called Gather, Ask, Do. Uh, and the gather phase is all about, and this might be a really good time to do it, as we are kind of approaching, um, hopefully, knock on wood, that we're moving out of this pandemic finally. But um, is, is this self-assessment of what your goals are over the next one year, three year, five years. And who is it that you want to connect with or reconnect with that can help you meet those goals, but also how you can be helpful to others. Mm. And lastly, in that um, gather phase is to really think about how you can break that hermetically sealed bubble that so many of us live in, myself included, where we tend to attract people that look like us, sound like us, the same age, race, and color as us. The next um, portion is the ask portion. And this gets to the crux of your question is learning to ask the meaningful questions of others so that you get the data, the information, where if you listen carefully, you can then go to the do. And that's when you can follow up and create that reciprocity that you talked about earlier on. So what I would say to people who are struggling to get back into this, um, one, do a little research before you're in a room. It can be an online room. Um, we are blessed in, in many cases where we can find out ahead of time who's gonna be in a room, not always. Two, think about what your goals are. Three, come with prepackaged questions to ask others. It, you know, it that way it, the onerous isn't just on you to be like, "Hi, I'm Susan, right?" <laughs> Susan M. <laughs> okay, um, you can be Susan CH too. I would love. <laughs> no, believe me, I, I would change my. You know, anyhow, again, I digress. Um, 
but I, I, I think when you when you come in and then really think about how you can be helpful to others because mm -hmm. it's a way to show up and being human. I'm not suggesting not taking the oxygen mask first. I'm not suggesting that I just run around the room and think, how can I help it? But I think it's a it's it's a kinder way to enter into rooms that that we're in. And for God's sakes, after the last two years, we all could use a little help. Yeah, yeah no doubt. Now, um, I oh, wonder. Another, one other quick thing. Yeah, go ahead. Anything but the weather. Oh, right. Unless the weather's crappy. <laughs> you, know, it doesn't, you don't get anywhere, right? You just sure. end up like it's like a la 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 la. Right, right, right. <laughs> I wonder if you could um, just talk about the toughest person, like the person that was the hardest. That you said, I want to connect with this person. And it was like the absolute hardest thing ever. And what you did to actually figure out how to close the deal there. I don't think I ever did. <laughs> um, it's still a possibility. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. You know, it's hard to, I mean, this has happened, you know, for years, right? I mean, for those of us who do marketing sales, I mean, there's always going to be, I think what's more important is how I've been able to walk away from it. Right. Because that's great. Yeah. 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 Um, and, um, I think because it, it does, it does hurt, right? You, you know, you, you do get your feelings hurt. And I, I, I have to always remind myself that this is about business. Now, when it happens with friends, that's a lot harder, right? Because, yeah. you know, it's harder not to take it personally. But I think, you know, I always have to remind myself there's 10 billion people on this planet. So there'll be someone else. <laughs> you know, just going back to sage advice from like my mother, like I remember I'd be like pissed off about it. I'm like, she didn't, blah, blah, blah. and she'd be like, listen, 95% of what's going on has absolutely nothing to do with you. So stop acting like the world revolves around you and get on with it. You got, maybe, maybe that was the 5%, but it's unlikely. So um, always remembering that. That's great. Kate, you were going to say something? Yeah. You know, the other thing that as we think about return to the office, and that's obviously uh, different for every company, uh, is that relationship and connecting with your manager um, or your leadership, right? And I think it, regardless of your age or your gender, I think that's also something that we've been hearing that how do I reconnect, re-engage if I'm new into the organization and I've never met any of these people. Yeah. Um, we have an amazing partner in Paramount and Debbie King, uh, who's an SVP there, shared the story where at Paramount, they were coming back and they were so excited and everybody was talking. And then there was this little group off to the side that was shy and sort of, again, sort of isolated. Mm -hmm. These were the individuals that had never worked in person mm. at Paramount, right? So you've got all these different populations coming back into an office, but that critical relationship is yes, with your peers, but also reconnecting if you are going back into an office with your manager and having meaningful dialogue. Well, first and foremost, I hope the managers and the leadership are making this a priority to help people, right? Um, you know, in lieu of that, obviously, as an employee, you have a responsibility too. I'm not putting it all on management, but I do think, again, the statistics show that if you actually invest in helping your employees connect, you're going to have all, you know, the ripple effect is, is enormous and the bottom line will be positively affected. But I do think for, for those of, those of us coming back and, 
you know, it is scary. So one, at least, you know, you're not alone, right? Mm -hmm. You know, this is a, this is the first time in our lifetimes where globally we have all experienced something and, yeah. you know, that it has affected everyone. Obviously we know some people much more detrimentally than others, but still, so there is that great equalizer. There is that commonality in the uncommonality, but I, you know, not to sound like a broken record, I would go back find out what is it that I bring to the table. Mm. And I would make a habit and maybe it's one person a day or maybe it's two people a week, but reach out to colleagues that you have not met and you can do it via email, text, Slack, you know, whatever is the most comfortable to you and say, hi, I'm new here. Can I have five minutes of your time so I can learn more about your role so I can be helpful to you? That's great. Okay. As opposed to, can I pick your brain so you can help me? Yeah, no, that's fantastic advice. I love that because so many times people will go in with the what's in it for me and not what's in it for you kind of situation. You know, it's interesting because we have this bifurcation of companies where a bunch of them are like, no, our culture is you must come back into the office. You must be here. And then there's what I call kind of like the companies who get it, who are like, you know what, that, that, that way is gone. The way of the future is is something different. Uh, we're going to let you be virtual. I think I saw that um, uh, Airbnb is basically like they they had a really interesting way of framing the conversation because they framed it around your life, where your job just happens to be a part of your life. And I literally read it and I was like, finally, somebody actually gets it. Um, and so I wonder <laughs> if you could. Just a share your reaction to that perspective because I've long believed that you know this separation of work and life is actually a fallacy. It's actually one thing, and so you know how how do you think about that? Because one of the things that people have had a hard time doing is setting boundaries, mm -hmm. right? And so let's just say you're building these relationships with people, and now they they feel like they can call you at eight o'clock at night or whatever. So, you know, what are some new ways of thinking that people need to take into account as these changes have continued to move forward? State them mm. right off the bat. Okay. Yeah. The other thing too, though, um, you know, I'm sitting here in my living room, right? And I often say that the mid nineties, when I used to lug my ginormous laptop home from the office and I would it'd be like six, six thirty at night, seven, maybe. And I would plug it into the wall to send or download my email. And then I would go to my sink and I would be doing my dishes. And then I would come back to my laptop, suds covered the hands and I'd be answering the emails and I'd be sending. That was the day there was no more work and you know home it was all together and i have to also say it's hard enough being two people i mean it's hard enough being one person why in hell do i want to be two people right okay now that's yeah. not saying i don't have fun and i put you know i put away but i think we're we're living in a time where it is very very condensed and and those 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 lines are not as drawn all the more reason if you need to set boundaries yeah yeah Agreed. Set boundaries. Well, I know Susan, you're going to wrap us up, but Susan, Susan McPherson. Uh, you know, one of the 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 other things that that I, I I have really loved just getting to know you these last several years and having you part of our community, but is that you make it a point. Again, this is about muscle memory repetition, and I think for those that are listening or will listen on the podcast, creating capacity is important. Cre creating a habit? Is it once a day? Is it one hour a week? So it, can you just share very briefly before we wrap up your habit 
any mm-hmm. habit that works for you. Yep. Two things. One, every morning I reach out to three to five people via whatever means is, and I know for some people that's like, oh my God, that's too much. So reach out to one person. All right. And what I do is I just send a little bit of love out. Uh, no agenda, not asking for people uh, uh, to do anything, but just being like, you came in my thoughts. Two, when I'm out on walks and somebody pops in my head, somebody pops in my brain, you know when that happens and you say, I'll get to it later. I do it right then. Because it won't it won't happen if I say I'll do it later. So those are two tips. I um, absolutely love that. Um, it must be a Susan thing because I do the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> I wait. I would also say that, like, listen, you are ultimately one of the best and most um, passionate and genuinely connected people that I have met. Um, and and what the reason why I know that is because after I met you through one person, I ended up meeting you through five other people that I love and care Same about. Experience like, for me. <laughs> and I was like, well, okay, Susan is okay with me because she clearly has built genuine relationships with all these people. And I have no idea how we haven't met each other until now, but here we are. <laughs> <laughs> Ever too late. <laughs> exactly. So thank you for that. Thank you for putting that into the universe. I think more people should be doing exactly what you're doing. Please get her book. Um, uh, I think we're, we pasted it or in there with go the long the lost art of connecting. I think you can get it on Amazon, yes, and in your local bookstores. Um, so please support Susan in that. We appreciate you coming on and spending time with us today. It's so wonderful seeing you. And we hope that you all will join us on the next episode of Navigating the Work Compass, where you can also catch us on Apple Podcasts and Google Podcasts. And we will have much more to talk about because the world keeps changing. My goodness. So many things keep popping up. We thought this was going to be a limited series, but I think we're just going to keep going and going and going. So thanks for joining us. We loved seeing you and we'll look forward to seeing you next time. Thanks. Thank you.